0: Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Praise God. Well, I want to talk to you today from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. If you would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're also going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I absolutely expect you to get excited today because what I'm going to talk to you about is very exciting material, amen? I mean, it's God's Word, so it's already exciting, but this is just extra-specially exciting because we're going to talk to you today about victory. I want to talk to you about the victory that you've been given in Christ Jesus, amen? Amen. So I need all my ameners to say amen real loud today. Because my voice is already boomy enough, and so, uh, you know. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're gonna begin reading in verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. And it says, Now thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of. Of his knowledge in every place. Let me read it to you one more time. Now, thanks be to God who always, somebody say always, always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I was praying this week and, uh, during my prayer time, I felt the Holy Spirit ask me a question, and this is not a new question, it's a question He's asked me times before. He, he said, how would you live differently if you couldn't lose? <laughs> it's not just like, what if you couldn't lose, but no, specifically, how would you live differently if you couldn't lose? It's a pretty good thought, right? How would you live to What would you do differently? What, let me put it to you this way. What kind of risks would you take if you knew you would win every time? How would we live differently if we couldn't lose? According to this verse, it's almost as if Paul is telling us that victory and triumph should always be happening in our lives. It's almost as if Paul is bold and audacious enough to suggest to us that when we walk with the Lord, we should always be walking in victory. It's as almost as though Paul is sur- suggesting for us that the default setting for a life in Christ is victory. Right? How many you know it's more than almost a suggestion? He really means it when he says God always leads us in triumph. God always leads us in triumph. You were created to live in victory. Think about this for a moment. God does not create things hoping that they will break and fall apart. Right? How so? I mean, take take it out of the... Out of that context and put it into just a natural context for just a moment. How many, how many uh, watch manufacturers do you know that build a product specifically for it to not work? <laughs> I mean, how, how, what, if, what if you were looking for a nice new watch and you said, I want to buy my you know, husband or my wife I mean, a brand new watch. I'm going to go and check out the watch store and I'm going to talk to the watch guy and I'm going to say, you know, I like that watch. It looks really nice. Uh, is it going to break in the next 24 hours? Well, yeah, it's designed to break. It's designed to fall apart. Oh, good, that's the one I want. Oh, does it cost double? Yeah, I'll take it. How stupid. No, no manufacturer builds a product hoping for its destruction. No manufacturer puts something together only for it to fall apart. Right? So did God create you for loss? Did he create you only to destroy you later? You see, there's a, there's a kind of a popular mindset that exists in our culture and in our religious religiosity that would suggest to us that God wants to break us. Well, you know, brother, God's going to break you so that he can put you back together. Newsflash, you were broken when he found you. Amen. That just doesn't make any sense. Amen. You were busted when Jesus got to you. That's why you needed him. That's why we need a Jesus, because we can't fix ourselves. And so if we can't fix ourselves, and we need to rely on him to fix us and put us back together. And once he fixes you and puts you back together, he does it so that you don't have to break apart anymore. Amen. God's not into smushing you and mashing you and breaking you and messing your life up. He wants to fix your life. Amen. The unfortunate reality is that people often get so comfortable with defeat in their own lives that when they hear a word on victory, it can actually come across as offensive. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wild? Oftentimes, it's the thing that the person needs the most that is the hardest for them to grab a hold of. Why? Because they've gotten so comfortable living in that condition, it's become their identity. Oh, don't, don't tell me how to fix my problem, just empathize with it. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning, Claire. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> no, listen, don't, don't, don't try to show me how to get out of the situation I'm in. Get in it with me and let's sob together. No, how many of you know when Peter was drowning, Jesus didn't put on scuba gear? Y'all remember when Peter got out on the water and started walking with Jesus and and he started walking towards Jesus and all of a sudden his, his eyes got on the wind and the waves and he looked and he said, help me master, I'm sinking. What did Jesus do? First of all, the Bible says immediately he was there. How many of you know God is this close to you when you're in a problem, when you're in a jam? He's as close to you as you being willing to say help. You don't have to ask Jesus for help and then wait six months so that he can finish wrapping up whatever he's doing in India and come and help you. He's everywhere all the time and he's always available and there's limitless power at your disposal that's just a prayer away whenever you need it. The question is, will we get out of our own way and will we not be so comfortable in the deficiency and the deformity and whatever the problem is in our life? Will we embrace victory over our own problem? Jesus was right there. He didn't get in the water with Peter. He stood on top of the water. He maintained his authority and his dominion over the water. And he said, come here, Pete, let me help you. And he got him out. You see, he's designed you and I for victory. He's designed us for victorious living. Amen. The way of the Christian ought to look different than the way of the world. The things that trip up our neighbors and our friends and our brothers and our sisters and the people that are around us, our family members, the things that trip them up when they don't know Jesus shouldn't trip us up because we do know Jesus. It's not a question of quality and comparison. We're not trying to say that we're better than somebody. We're simply trying to say, if God before me, who can be against me? Right? If, God, if I'm on the winning team, then I'm going to hang out with the winners and I'm going to act like a winner and I'm going to win. Amen. And when you realize that that's what God programmed you to do and to be, it helps. It helps for you to go, wait a minute, devil's trying to take advantage of me. I'm not going to put up with that. I'm going to put my foot down because I wasn't created to live under his thumb. I was created to be seated with Jesus in heavenly places. When depression knocks on the door of your heart and of your mind, you have to, you have to answer the door and go, wait just a minute, I'm not going to tolerate you because Jesus made me an overcomer. You've got to get a, a push back on the inside. Amen. So he says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Now, y'all know me and you know that I love to dig into the Greek. The Greek in this, picture, in this verse is very interesting. The words leads us in triumph. Those four words in English are actually one word in Greek. And it means to cry aloud or to herald while leading. To cry aloud, to voice, to herald. Not like, not like a man's name, Harold. Like, like a, somebody who's shouting right? I'm not talking about a guy named Harold. I'm talking about so, a job description. Somebody who is heralding, who is announcing, who is shouting to the world and crying aloud while leading. So the picture that Paul is using, the reason he used that word is because in the time, it fit the context of the time very well. This comes from the Roman Empire. It comes from ancient Rome. When a When a king would go off to battle and he would win, he and his armies would come home and there would be a victory parade down Main Street. In fact, there there is a specific road in Rome, and I didn't write it down via something or other in Rome, that they would walk down. It was like leading them to the whatever, wherever the palace was in ancient Rome. But it was this specific street, and they knew that when the emperor was coming home, when Caesar, whoever, was coming home from battle, and he was off conquesting and, and taking more lands, he was coming home, and he was coming home with two things, all the people that were, that were part of his army and all the spoils. And they were going to have this glorious celebration, and at the front of the celebration was going to be this big, giant banner announcing the fact that they had won. And everybody behind the king, everybody behind Caesar in the army was like, you see that guy? He's a winner. I'm with him. Right? Even the weakling, even the guy who like carried the sword for the, for the guy who fought. Even the guy that didn't fight in the battle got to still walk in the victory parade. Because, hey, I'm on the winning team. I went out to war. Sure, I stayed and you know, cooked food while everybody else was fighting and then I served it to them when they got back. But I'm still a winner. I'm still in the victory procession. I'm still in the parade. And Jesus is at the front of the victory parade shouting for all of time and for all of eternity, I am victorious and so are they. And you and I are in that victory parade. We're in that procession. Amen. Amen. Listen to this from the New Living Translation. It says, but thank God He has made us His captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now He uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Wow. Wow, look at that. Now He uses us. He he made us His captives. He made us. He He. specially designed, you and I, to walk in that procession with him through life. Your, your life is, is simply following the leader. Man. I mean, if, if we could really learn to understand this and live by this, our lives would get so much easier than they are. If we could learn to understand that it's my job as a Christian to follow the leader and to just do what he says... I I used to say this to my kids because they understand it this way. Christianity is two childhood games. Simon says, and follow the leader. Simon says, touch your head. Simon says, touch your toes. Simon says, hop on one foot. What about this way? Jesus says, love your neighbor. Jesus says, walk by faith and not by sight. The scripture says, do this, do that, and follow the leader. Wherever the leader goes, just go that way. Whoever's at the front of the line, it's Jesus. He's at the front of the victory procession. Just find out which direction he's going and follow him. If you do those two things, if you follow the leader and Simon says, you will walk in victory all the time because it's the default setting for believers. It's the default operation for us as the body of Christ is to walk in victory. You say, well, what if I'm not walking in victory? Just hang on. There's still more to come in the sermon. I'll tell you how to get out of it, okay? Amen. I promise. But this is the default. This is the way we should live. It should irritate you. You should get a righteous irritation in your heart if you are not experiencing victory in your life. Please understand, I don't mean this to be to come down on you or to be hard, but listen, you ought to get a righteous frustration on the inside if you're not experiencing victory. You ought to be able to go to God and say, Lord, show me where I'm missing it because I'm missing it somewhere because I know your word says that I ought to be walking in victory. And if I'm not, Lord, I need you to shine the light on my life and show me where I'm missing it. Amen. And how many of you know if you'll do that, he'll answer. He loves you. He's gracious. He cares. He wants you to walk in his statutes. He wants you to walk in victory. Jesus wants you to be more victorious than you want you to be. Amen. it's just so true. He wants the very best for your life, more than you, right? He's a perfect father. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those that ask Him? In other words, on a natural level, if we know how to love our kids pretty good, how much more do you think God is capable of loving you as a perfect eternal Father who gave His very best for you to be in His family? How much more? He wants you to be more victorious than you want you to be. Amen. Don't be offended by it. Don't be frustrated by it. There's a way to live. There's a way to walk above the circumstance. You want a hint as to how it happens? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's just like two pages back. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 57 and verse 58. This is amazing. Verses 57 and 58. It's almost the same scripture. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God. Hold on just for one second at that verse 57. Thanks be to God. Do you notice a parallel here from the verse we just read? 2 Corinthians 2.14 starts exactly the same way. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph, right? We'll hear Paul saying the same thing again, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. These two scriptures on victory to the Corinthians, and both of them start by saying, but thanks be to God. You want to know one of the fastest ways to get out of defeat and into victory mindset? Start saying thanks. Come on. One of the fastest ways to get you out of the mindset of of defeat and poverty and fear and depression and anxiety and get you over into victory and joy and jumping and shouting and leaping and praising God is to start by saying thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the deal. Oh, man, I was reminded of this so profoundly the other day. You can't be angry and thankful at the same time you can't I was so irritated the other day I know you don't think that's possible but it is (laughs) I was having a crummy afternoon and I was in my kitchen cleaning and it was one of those days you ever have just one of these days where it's just like you're doing the right stuff and it's just not working I mean, I'm like spilling, I was washing dishes. I'm spilling water. I'm like, there's stuff on the floor. Things are falling. I'm just going, Do you ever just have one of the moments We are just mad at the world? And the Holy Spirit just, just stopped me. Said, you're not being thankful. And I, I remember I was washing my little coffee maker. I have this little coffee maker that I put on the stove that makes espresso. And I, I was washing it and it fell. I dropped it like three times in a row this is this is the kind of day I was having y'all have you've had these before it's like you're washing and it hits the floor and you're like god dog and you see pick it up and you're washing and it hits the floor again you're like let me just try this one more and it hits and then and then I'm ready to punch through a wall right y'all been there I'm, I'm cleaning my coffee maker, and, the, and this is when the Holy Spirit stops me and says, you're not being thankful. And I looked at that thing, and I started to realize I get coffee from you whenever I want. <laughs> I love this little stupid thing that goes on my stove and makes coffee for me because anytime I want coffee, I know how to get it. And I started to say, <laughs> I know this is really stupid, but it's really, really good. I started to become thankful for the little coffee pot. I started to thank God for my coffee pot because there's people who don't have one. There's people who don't get to enjoy the beautiful, dark, rich flavors of espresso that I have at my beck and call whenever I want it. Thank you, little coffee pot. And I started to look around in my house and I started to look at the walls and the ceiling and the floor and the kids, and the toys, and the couch, and the television. And I started to think, look at this thing God gave me. Look at this thing God blessed me with. Look at this thing God gave me. Look at these beautiful kids that are around me. Look at this amazing wife that I got. Look at that yard out in the back. Look at these beautiful chickens that give me eggs every morning. Even though they poop on the sidewalk, I still get mad at them, but praise God. Look at, look at all this glorious stuff that God blessed me with. And then you start to get really good, and you go, what about eternal life? What about the fact that he bought me uh, out of the miry clay? What about the fact that he pulled me out of a position I couldn't get myself out of? And you start to really get thankful then. What happens to the frustration? Like that, right? You see, but our normal, our routine, our habit is to live in the anxiety and to live in the frustration. I'm, going to, I'm working on a series that we're going to start probably on the 15th of September. And I'm, and I'm looking at several things that the Lord's been highlighting to me that, that our society works really hard. The world around us works really hard to keep us entangled in these things. And one of them is criticism and skepticism. And I started to realize, and I'll get more into this in this series that's coming. You don't want to miss it. We're going to talk about FOMO, fear of missing out. We're going to talk about distraction. We're going to talk about skepticism and criticism. We're going to talk about gossip. We're going to talk about all these things that the enemy just works super hard to keep you and I entangled in. right? And the whole purpose of it is to keep us babies spiritually. The whole purpose of it is to keep you frail and weak and sinning. The Bible, listen, you can, you can prove this point scripturally. I'm going to just take a little, can I, can I go down this little rabbit trail for a second? Listen, I'm going to chase this fat, juicy rabbit that's running this way. Here we go. You can prove this scripturally that the opposite of joy is sin. The opposite of sin is joy. And if the joy of the Lord is your strength, then what is sin? It's weakness. See, even a nine-year-old can answer that question glory to God. I didn't tell her that. If, if joy makes you strong, what does sin make you? Weak. And so the enemy is going to keep, he's going to try so hard to keep us in, entangled in all this stuff that's going to cause sin to abound in our lives so that we stay weak. That's his goal, is to keep you weak and babyish. And you know, my father always says this, this is a terrible preacher joke, but just grin and be happy. Uh, he says, he says all the time, I don't have a problem feeding the milk to a baby, but if you have to part a guy's mustache to get the bottle in, then I have a problem. <laughs> and unfortunately, we've, been, we've gotten so used to church culture, but we, we, we get comfortable in church culture, but we don't have a relationship with God really in real life. We just come to church on Sunday. And so what we need to do is stir up the fire of our relationship with God and get, the, get unentangled and unencumbered by all these things and we'll start to walk in victory. It will become the default setting of our life instead of all the other stuff. Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Thank you for letting me go down that rabbit trail. Thanks be to God. How do you start walking in victory? Start by saying thanks. Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice a big, giant, glaring word in this scripture, and that's the word gives gives the victory that belongs to us is a gift that means it comes by grace not by your perfect effort we think that we have to check all these boxes in order to get victory but how many of you know you don't get what you are you are what you are right I'm not trying to get more manly. I'm a man. It's just who I am. Right? Maybe I should try to get more manly. I don't know. Y'all are looking at me kind of funny. <laughs> Maybe I need to try to grow a beard or something. I don't know. Chop some wood. I don't know. <laughs> right? We'll just next week it'll be just arm wrestling. We'll just arm wrestle all 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 service long. No, you don't try to get more of what you've been created to be. Achievement and being are two different things. And oftentimes we think we need to achieve some kind of victory when God says, I gave you the victory. I made you victorious. It's who you were created to be. So stop trying to get what I made you. Right? Make sense? It comes... By grace, not by your perfect efforts. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, we'll talk about that some more in just a second. But verse 58, look at what happens to you when you embrace and say thanks for the victory. Watch what happens. Verse 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be what? Steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Those are three really, really, really good things that you become as you walk in the victory that belongs to you. You become steadfast. You become immovable. You become abounding in the work of the Lord. And that's what your heart really desires. That's what we all hunger for. How many of you want to be flighty and flaky and just, you know, up one day, down the other? No. Nobody wants to live that way. That's why James says in James chapter 1 that the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Nobody wants to be unstable. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? Today, I'm going to flake out. Today, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start something and not finish it. Oh, it's going to be good. Today, I'm going to go to work, and I'm going I'm to, you know what? I'm going to pray for a while, and I'm going to feel good about it, and I'm going to cuss somebody out when I get to work. Oh, it's going to be good. Nobody... Nobody starts out life wanting to be double-minded, wanting to be unstable. But what happens? It happens to us. It happens to us. We just get into the rhythm of life and we be like Peter and we take our eyes off Jesus for just long enough for the world to captivate our attention. And we start to just... Like this, just up and down and up and down and up and down. One minute it's great, and the next minute somebody says something that frustrates me, and that ruins my whole day. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. I have a seven-year-old. I have all daughters. Okay? I know something about easily offended. Okay? I'm telling you what I know. One minute, they're playing, so happy. Daddy, look. Look at the princess. Look at the tea set. Look at the Mickey Mouse. Look at this. Look at that. Nineteen seconds later, Daddy! She took the mini from me. She hit me. She did this. Oh, can you believe this? Claire did this. Abigail did this. Sophia, did. stop it, Sophia. Stop it, Sophia. Stop it, Sophia. I'm telling you, why? What is that? Immaturity. It's just immaturity. Is all it is it's just they haven't learned how to regulate their feelings they haven't learned yet well claire's she's got a couple years on she's getting better at that but they haven't learned how to just take a deep breath and say it's going to be okay right that just up and down and up and down. That's, what, that's the way life is lived when life happens to you. But when you walk with Jesus and when you follow him in the victory parade, guess what happens to you? You always become steadfast and firm and immovable and always abounding, and you become like a rock, and pretty soon people start to lean on you. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, where we just were, he said, now God uses us to diffuse the fragrance of his knowledge everywhere. Why? Because you've embraced victory and you've become steadfast. God can trust you. Wow. Selah. Selah. That just sounds good in this big boomy room, doesn't it? Think about that. Think about that. You become steadfast and God starts to work with you and work through you. But, Pastor, what about failure? What about when I miss it? What about when I fall down? The Bible says a just man, even a just man, falls seven times, but he gets back up again, right? You say that I'm supposed to live in victory, the victory is supposed to be the default. What about when I fail? Let me tell you something doesn't sound very spiritual, but it's good. No baseball team has ever had a perfect record, but somehow, everybody, every year, somebody wins the World Series. No baseball team's ever had a perfect record, but somehow, every year, somebody manages to be the victory, to be the victor, to be the world champion. What's the point? The point is you were still made for victory even though you messed up. Even though you botched it and fumbled the ball. Now listen, next next week, everybody's going to go to Kid Brewer Stadium and paint their face black and gold and scream like crazy for ASU football. And guess what? We hope that they win the game. And if they win the game, guess what's going to happen? Somebody's still going to miss a pass. Somebody's still going to throw an interception. Somebody's still going to miss a tackle. Somebody's still going to get sacked. Something is going to go wrong. The people in the row behind me are still going to scream at the coach and at the referee. Even though they don't know what they're talking about, they're going to yell and scream and make a big deal. And they're going to go, move the chains, move the chains, move, move, move. And, it's, and I'm going to be like, I'm ready to kill them and it's only the first game. It's going to happen. But guess what? Even amidst the mistakes, there's still somebody going to come out winning. Somebody's still going to be victorious. Nobody has ever had a perfect record in baseball. The closest ones that ever did was in 1906, the Chicago Cubs went 116 and 36. They won 116 games. They lost 36 times. They still went to the Super Bowl! Or no, the World Series. (laughs) Whoops. 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 They still went to the World Series, even though they'd lost 36 games. You want to know what's even more wild about that? They lost in the World Series. That means a team with a worse record than them came out on top. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. You've been destined and you've been programmed by God to be victorious. If you drop the ball Pick it up again and keep following Jesus because He's got a plan for your life and it's better than where you're at right now. Glory to God. Teams make mistakes all the way to the top and they still manage to win somehow. Now, do you know why that's important? Because victory is a gift, it's not based on your personal achievement. He said, Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. You don't deserve victory he does. You're not at the front of the line. He is. Praise God, you're in the line. Amen. That's all that matters. I'm on the winning side. I'm on the winning team, and my, the, the captain of my team, the leader of our group, never lost. And as long as he never lost, and as long as I put my faith in him, it's as though I never lost. So even though I failed, even though I missed it, even though I made a mistake, even though I fell, praise God there's grace to pick me back up again and say stop trying to do what I already did and made you victorious. Don't try to get the victory by yourself. Jesus already got the victory. Just say thank you and follow the leader. And Simon says, amen. That's how we walk in victory. That's how we live. That's when you become immovable because you're fastened and fixed to him. It's not you trying to do it anymore. Stop trying to do what he's already done, man. The most beautiful thing about the gospel is that, is that it's grace. It's, it's something that he did that I now have access to. Not based on me, but based on Him. And all I have to do is just by faith receive it and say, oh, thank you. Thank you. I know I, I've been trying so hard to be victorious. I've been trying so hard to have victory over this sin. Thank you for the victory, Lord. Thank you. And then you fall again and you stumble and you get back up and you say, thank you. Thank you for the Thank you for not judging me according to how I just fell.'" There's a, there's a verse in Psalms, and I can't think of it right now, what the reference is, but it says, he does not judge us according to our sin. That's amazing. He judges you. He doesn't judge you according to your sin. He judges you according to Christ's perfection. That's grace. Now, I want you to write three things down as we close. These are the three points. These are the three things I want you to remember as we leave today. If you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, write these down. Number one, you were created to live in total victory in life. I mean, it's the default setting, man. It's the default setting. You were created to live in total victory in life. Number two, victory is a gift of grace. Don't try to work for it. Don't try to work for it. Victory is a gift of grace. Number three, your past failure doesn't change who you were created to be. Your past failure doesn't change who you were created to be. It's not like you mess up and God all of a sudden says, Oh, I didn't see that coming. I guess I'm going to change their destiny. Yeah, I've got good plans and they're great plans, they're perfect plans for this person, but you know what? Man, he cheated on his taxes. That's it. He's done. I'm going to have to alter my will for his life now. No, God doesn't think that way. Your past failure does not change who you were created to be. So point one tells us that we were created to live in total victory. Point two tells us that it's his grace that causes us to do that. If you get to point three and you start to look at your failure, basically go back to point one. Right? It's like a flow chart. And everything, and it's just like this big flow chart, and at the very bottom, it's just Jesus and his grace. So no matter how many times you screw up, no matter how many times you mess it up, no matter how many times you fumble and drop the ball, you're still a winner. You're still victorious because he made you that way. Just say thank you. Amen. Just say thank you. That's all we need to do. That's how we live in victory. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.